Welcome into another edition of the WISports.net podcast. I'm Travis Wilson, general manager at WISports.net and your host for the WSN podcast. Here we are, Wednesday, April 14th, and who would have ever thought we're, uh, we're, we're talking about volleyball playoffs and football season and uh, those kinds of things, but here we are in this strange, uh, unprecedented spring sports season where the volleyball playoffs started on Saturday. They'll end this coming Saturday, a, a one-week playoff structure in this abbreviated season. Uh, and then again, high school football continuing on. We're about to enter week uh, number four of the high school football season, essentially the, the halfway point in this seven-week regular season of high school football in the spring. And that means that we're pretty close to the traditional spring sports getting started. Uh, in fact, pitchers and catchers reported this week for high school baseball. We're able to uh, get some workouts in, and then next week high school baseball does start their full practices. And then a couple weeks after that, uh, looking at games getting started for the first time in a long time, two years since these high school uh, sports teams at the uh, at the spring sport level have played. Obviously last year canceled because of the pandemic, and they are itching to get at it. A little bit later start than normal, a little bit more of a condensed uh, condensed schedule, and a season that runs a little bit farther into summer, which uh, you know depending on who you ask is a good thing or a bad thing, but it uh, it's it's finally almost here. However, we're not talking about high school football or volleyball or baseball or softball today on the WSN podcast. We're talking about one of the sports, one of the few sports, in fact, that is not in season right now, and that's high school boys basketball, which is always in season in some fashion. And that means that our our, uh, good friend Mark Miller is always in season. And we'll bring him in in season form, Mark, to talk about some recent recruiting news here in Wisconsin. How's uh, how's things going in your neck of the woods? Well, it's been busy. Uh, You mentioned uh, recruits and uh, making commitments. And then obviously the AAU season is uh, off and running. So we're doing a lot of previews on wisports.net for for all the teams or many of the teams in the state. So uh, it's been busy. <laughs> There's no off season really, except when the high school football season starts in the fall, it, it quiets down a little bit. But then of course we have our WSN showcase um, and uh, and kids committing. So, you know, there's, there's always news almost uh, 12 months of the year in, in basketball uh, at the boys level here in the state. And of course, we're also getting coaching changes, you know, news that, uh, Lucky Ward stepped down and retired at, at Kimberly was big news last week. And, uh, you know, we keep up to date on Wisports.net on our, our coaches' openings, and there are many of those. And every day it seems like I hear another one, and I usually tweet it out and then add it to our list. So those are the kind of things that are keeping me busy right now. Well, let's dig into a few of these uh, these key recruiting decisions that have been made recently. And we'll start with this year's Mr. Basketball, Brandon Podzimski from St. John's Northwestern Academies. Uh, committed to Illinois. He had a final four of Kentucky, uh, or excuse me, a final five of Kentucky, Miami, Florida, Vanderbilt, Wake Forest, and Illinois. But he chooses to, to head south of the border to Illinois and, uh, and play for the Illini, who are coming off a couple really strong seasons under, uh, under Brad Underwood. Um, what, uh, you know, what, what can you tell us, first of all, for people that maybe haven't seen him play, because he did not get to play at state, so you know, did not get that statewide exposure. Tell us a little bit about Brandon's game and how it might translate as well to the college level. Yeah, you know, when I was talking to him yesterday, the thing that kind of stood out to me was how Brandon transformed his body from his sophomore year to his senior year. 
um, as a sophomore, I remember watching him play, and I thought this kid's got a really good chance to be a good player. He was about six three, and I, I asked Brandon yesterday, and he said he was 160 pounds, uh, you know, two years ago. And then this past season, he played at six six, so he grew three inches, and uh, he was at 195 pounds. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he added 35 pounds to his frame. Um, so he really grew into being a. Uh, um, you know, a really physical presence on the court uh, at 6'6", 195 pounds. His game also grew over that time. Uh, he, he was a shooter, kind of a bouncy wing uh, early in his career, um, and a good rebounder. Uh, by the time he was a senior, he was playing point guard and averaging 35 points a game, 10 rebounds, and, and uh, five and a half assists. Uh, and, and making over 108, uh, over 103 point shots while shooting 43% from the, from outside the arc. So, um, you know, what position he'll play at Illinois, uh, Brandon thought that he'd probably be used at both guard positions when I talked to him yesterday. So, uh, a guy that really grew, uh, got stronger, uh, added a lot of muscle to his frame, uh, a very good passer, uh, obviously a very, very good shooter. So um, I, I think that, uh, you know, with, uh, with IU uh, leaving the Illinois program um, and going to the NBA draft and Trent Frazier's status today, at least, uh, you know, appearing that he's going to go to the NBA draft, the two starting guards in the, in the uh, Illinois backcourt um, are moving on, although Frazier certainly could come back. But it appears that there's some playing time available uh, in that backcourt at Illinois right away. Uh, and I think that appealed to Brandon as well. So I, I did see some comments, and you mentioned it, that um, that perhaps he could play the point guard level uh, position at the next level uh, in college. Is is that something that, that you think is feasible for him to step into? He'd be a big guard, obviously, at 6'6", six, six, um, but is, you know, is he a Big Ten point guard or is he someone that can maybe help alleviate pressure and handle the ball a little bit uh you know on a on a occasional basis yeah that's a good question i i would have said the latter uh in the in the, in the past um but after watching him this past year and seeing how well he handled the ball and and how well he saw the court i think there's an opportunity to, for him to get some minutes at least at point guard um initially if frazier comes back you know i would guess that he would probably play off the ball more um and if Frazier doesn't come back, you know, he might get some minutes at point. It all depends on their roster makeup. Uh, obviously, they're, they're probably still involved in talks with some other transfers and so forth. So, uh, you know, we'll see how it all pans out when the, when the uh, Illini roster is finalized. I guess uh, long term, I would I would say he'd be more of a wing, but a, a versatile wing who, who um, you know, can catch the ball on the wing and, and and attack the basket or, or, or shoot or, or, you know, get into the lane and create for others. Um, you never have a, you can never have too many point guards out on the court at the same time. And um, I think his, his ability to handle the ball and pass it, uh, which really um, came through loud and clear this senior season when he was named Mr. Basketball and, the, and then the state's player of the year by the AP, uh, really lend themselves to, um, you know, versatility. And that's when you look at our top players in the state, versatile and and able to play multiple positions uh score in different ways it kind of defines really a, a lot of the guys that are at the top of the class and this has been a really good class for our state um you know we got several guys that are going to the high major level uh and and the best player in the state uh, hasn't made his decision yet but 
very well could end up playing uh, for his dad at UW-Milwaukee. Uh, of course, talking about Patrick Baldwin Jr. Um, so uh, it, it's it's uh, it's one of the better classes that we've had in a few years, and um, uh, you know I think it's it's going to be fun to watch these kids as they move on to college and see what they can do at the next level. Uh, before we move on to uh, to David Joplin and his commitment uh, that came out uh, today, uh, let's get back to Patrick Baldwin Jr. for just a second. Is there any timetable that you're aware of on, on his decision? He's he's a kid that's very quiet about his recruiting process. It's you know he's not out there um, hyping himself up and, and doesn't have to, <clears throat> but they they've been you know close to the chest it seems like and and relatively quiet on things. So do we do we even know a, a timetable of what to expect or even you know, if there's two or three options that are at the top of his list. Well, I think that the teams at the top of his list are, are Duke and, and UW-Milwaukee. I think um, I'd be very surprised if he didn't go to either one of those two schools. And I think UW-Milwaukee playing the opportunity to play for his father, uh, the head coach at UWM, um, you know, is 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 the thing that kind of uh, has been there all along. And, um, you know, I think uh, I, I haven't heard that there's a timetable. Um you know, it's been like you said, it's been pretty quiet. Um, but, you know, this is the beginning of the early signing period or excuse me, the late signing period, the spring signing period. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if Patrick uh, made a decision here, you know, in the next uh, seven days or so. Um, but uh, then again, you know, uh, maybe he'll wait even longer. Um, yeah, it is kind of odd that he hasn't decided, but, you know. Uh, Brandon Podzimski just decided yesterday, and you know David Joplin had decided last fall, but of course changed his mind, and with the coaching change at Texas, and and uh, and made his decision. You know Preston Runinger's still out there, and he's got uh, some Division One offers, and uh, there's a couple other guys in our top 50 who haven't committed yet. So uh, Patrick's not alone, at least in that respect. And Patrick is the kind of player that if if teams are interested in him or if he's interested in them more specifically they will find a way to get him in whether it's you know the the early signing period that would have been in October uh, of last year or this signing period or June or July or whatever the case may be they will find a way to get him into the fold uh, because he's that kind of player and you know those kinds of players at that that elite elite level have that leverage. They they don't have to sign a national letter of intent to play college basketball. They can wait as long as they want. The letter of intent just, you know, guarantees the school will hold a scholarship for you. But if they're going to hold one for you anyway and there's not really any fear of it going away, there's not necessarily any reason to uh to sign or or commit uh any earlier than you have to. But let's move on to the other news of the day and and as mentioned, David Joplin who had committed to Texas when Shaka Smart was the head coach there. Um, but then uh, when Shaka Smart left Texas, he, he opened up his recruitment, got out of his national letter of intent, and uh, instead announced today that he will be signing with, and, and did sign with, Marquette. Talk us through Joplin's decision and, and what kind of player Marquette is getting. Yeah, you know, David uh, was a guy that um, kind of took off. Uh, you know, I obviously played four years of varsity basketball at Brooks Central, but I think his junior year was when he really started to open eyes and uh, I remember he had 36 points and an upset win over Patrick Baldwin in, in Sussex Hamilton as a junior um, and, and got a couple offers right after that game, including Georgetown. And then over the spring and summer of, of this past year, um, he, he picked up some additional offers and Texas started to recruit him pretty heavily. And 
um, and then he committed to Texas. Um, and then, of course, uh, as, as happens uh, almost every year, you know, a coach moves on or a coach gets fired or whatever. And in the case of Texas, Shaka Smart decided to leave that school and, and come to Marquette and take the position at Marquette. And uh, as is always, uh, almost always the case, you know, the players, they they commit to a coach more so than even a university these days. The relationship that they build with, with the coaching staff and so forth is, has become paramount. And uh, that was certainly the case with David. Uh, not only was Shaka Smart really instrumental, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, in his recruitment, but Neil Berry, who uh, is an assistant at uh, at Texas and who's going to be coming to Marquette with Shaka, was the lead recruiter uh, for David, um, and also the recruiter for Tyrese Halliburton when he was at uh, Iowa State. So. Um, you know, I think uh, the fact that Shaka and David even mentioned that today in the article that we posted that, uh, um, you know, the fact that he was uh, Shaka was coming right to his backyard. Uh, you know, at first it was kind of a wow, what's going on here? But uh, eventually, uh, you know, after talking to Coach Smart and Coach Barry and so forth, uh, you know, things settled down a little bit and uh, actually ended up being uh, a really good thing for, for David because now he gets to play, you know, very close to his home and in front of family and friends uh, right, right in Milwaukee. So uh, in talking to him today, he was very excited about that opportunity. Remind me, did uh, did Steve Wojciechowski and the previous staff offer Joplin? No, no. In fact, uh, Marquette or Wisconsin did not offer him. Um, you know, I think they both really evaluated him and thought he was a really good player. But uh, I think, uh, uh, you know, maybe it was roster makeup or what have you at that time, but they, they both decided to go. Uh, a different direction, and um, and then of course David committed to Texas, and then that was over. Um, since he reopened his recruitment, though, he did hear from uh, several other high major schools, including uh, Georgia, Minnesota, and Missouri, among others. So, um, and, and you know, he he mentioned on the phone today when I interviewed him that uh, those were interesting, and it was it was nice that. Uh, he was wanted, but you know what? When push came to shove, or at the end of the day, um, he just felt that you know Marquette was the right place for him, uh, with Shaka taking over that program, and and uh, two other recruits that had been going to Texas with uh, David in that uh, uh, 2021 recruiting class have also uh, committed to Marquette. So three of the four, uh, as we speak right now, are committed to Marquette. So. Uh, he's familiar with the with the other two players, one from Iowa and one from North Carolina, and uh, that will give him some familiarity. And of course, uh, he's also familiar with the Marquette campus and the and the Pfizer Forum and the Big East and so forth. So, um, you know, he's a guy that improved his his scoring output every year that he played. He had a career high 41 points in his last high school game, which was a three point loss to. Tosi East, which went on to win the, the the state title, of course, in Division One, he scored just under 2,000 points in his career and just under 1,000 rebounds. The thing that stood out to me was how he diversified his game from being primarily an inside scorer to a kid who could score from the perimeter and in the paint. Um, and at six seven, that that makes him a, a versatile player at the next level and, and a guy that uh, teams are going to have to guard with either size or quickness um, or both uh, because he can hurt teams. Uh, in different ways on the offense and at the court. So Shaka Smart uh, back at Marquette and making a very big impact in the state of Wisconsin very quickly, getting David Joplin to, to switch his commitment to uh, to Marquette. But it's not the only news regarding Marquette and recruiting. As uh, shortly after Shaka was hired, he extended scholarship offers to a couple other 
players from the state of Wisconsin in that 2022 class. Seth Trimble from Menominee Falls and Leon Bond from Tosa East recently. Uh, you know, does does this does this signal a change in, in any way in terms of how Marquette as a university and as a program will recruit the state of Wisconsin compared to what uh, Coach Wojciechowski did? Is it just these particular players seem to be good fits? Or, or how does Shaka's return to the state of Wisconsin at Marquette impact what might happen with recruiting in-state players in the future? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, um, I think you know, based on, on what's happened here in the last couple of weeks, you'd have to say that he's going to make it a priority. Um, of course, those three players that you mentioned, uh, certainly Joplin and then uh, Seth Trimble and Leon Bond in the 2022 class, are, are really good players um, that have multiple offers. Um, so I think the point is that you, you need to be really good. <laughs> and um, if you're from the state and are really good and, and kind of fit what uh, Shaka Smart wants to do at Marquette, you know, you're likely to be recruited. Um, and, you know, Seth is a guy that also has an offer from Wisconsin and a whole bunch of other high major programs. Um, and, and Leon's a guy that, uh, as we saw at the state tournament, showed off his athleticism and his, his upside, uh, still kind of developing his skills, but um, a really hardworking kid and kind of a, out of the same mold of, as Joplin, just in terms of his, uh, his approach to the game and just his, his, uh, his on and off court presence. And Seth, you know, is, is, is a guy that really can score against just about anyone. I mean, he is so athletic and so good with the ball in his hands um, that, you know, he's going to be, without question, a top 100 kid, maybe even a top 50 kid uh, in, the, in the country in that 22, 22 class. You know, as, as coaches get the opportunity to go out and recruit now uh, after June 1st and actually see players live, that's really going to help kids like like Seth and Leon and Stephen Clay and Jackson Pavletsky and Jeff Brazil and Jack Rose, Max Nelson, Donovan Short, all those really top kids in our 2022 class, um, which like our, our uh, 21 class is going to have uh, a, a good chunk of Division One players. I don't know if we'll will quite match the 21 class, which I think we're approaching 20 guys now that are going to go on to play at the Division One level. But I think we can probably count on anywhere from 15 to 18 guys um, in the 2022 class that will end up at the Division One level. Um, so w when you talk about Brazil and Trimble and Bond, uh, I think those are the guys at the top of the class in 2022. Um, and those are the guys that, uh, you know, will, will be evaluated by, you know, both Greg Gard and Shaka Smart. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see where, where things go. But uh, uh, I think it's apparent that Shaka is going to make the state a very uh, important part of his recruiting philosophy going forward. I, I did not read all of the details, but I did see information that came out earlier this week that the recruiting dead period that has been in place for uh, over a year now from the NCAA and that has been a great frustration for a lot of players uh, that are you know considering where they're going to go to college, uh, that that's going to be lifted on, I believe it's June 1st. Um, I, I, again, I didn't see all the details if it's completely back to normal or if there's going to be other restrictions in place, but... You know, that idea that college coaches potentially beginning in June could get out and see kids, what is that going to mean for this 2022 class especially? And who might be a few kids that could really benefit from that that are on that cusp of getting a D1 offer or perhaps blowing up and, and going from a mid-major kid to a high major? Who are those kids that this uh, this additional or, or 
added recruiting ability from colleges could really benefit. Yeah, you know, the 2022 class is is one that I think um, is going to be really affected by the transfer portal, the extra year that the NCAA has, has granted to student-athletes. I just saw Brad Davison is going to come back for another year at Wisconsin uh, as an example. Um, is there going to be room, <laughs> you know, for to take kids in the 2022 class um, with, with the extra year of eligibility? Um, that's going to be remains to be seen yet but um and and then of course the transfer portal trying to see okay how how will these over 1,000 kids uh that are in the portal right now how could they possibly fit in at at a marquette or wisconsin or green bay or milwaukee um it's it's just there's so many moving parts right now travis that it's hard to really know if the 2022 class is going to um is going to be impacted. A lot of coaches that I've talked to feel that it's going to be, unfortunately, for those kids that, uh, you know, kids that maybe would have gotten an offer uh, in the past might not get an offer now because, um, because you know, kids are staying longer and, and uh, they're playing an extra year. Um, but to answer your question, I, a couple of guys do come to mind. I, I do think that um, uh, we have enough talent in our state that they're still going to get offers. You know, it just might not be quite as many kids as maybe we've had uh, like in this past year in 2021. But, you know, as they get out to watch kids in June and July, the, the Division One coaches, I think they're going to be impressed with guys like Max Nelson at Appleton North and Jack Rose at Wistosa Shunsro, certainly Jackson Pavletsky at Kimberly. You know, I think Brazil, Trimble, Bond, and Clay have already uh, garnered uh, high major offers, so they're already kind of at that level. But Pavletsky, Rose, Nelson, I think Donovan Short, too, at, at Denmark at 6'10", and his ability to... To, to pick and pop and, and play on the perimeter is going to be intri- intriguing to people. You know, Chris Morgan at Kakana um, is starting to really pick up some steam as a 6'2 point guard. Uh, Danilo Genovanovic at uh, Whitnall is another guy that's starting to pick up some some really good interest and offers. And then um, a couple sleepers, I think, uh, uh, you know, C.J. Campbell at New Richmond comes to mind and his ability at 6'5 to shoot and be really skilled offensively as well as being athletic. Learic Davis at Bradley Tech as a 6'7 uh, versatile backcourt slash wing player uh, and, and is playing with the Phenom program. So hopefully we'll be on the EYBL circuit to, to show what he can do. Uh, Max Weisbrot is another kid that I think is really, really good from DeForest. Um, so those are a few guys that pop into mind right away. I think Marcus Tomashek of Eshwabadon and Amari Jenkins from Racine Case or other guys with really good size, uh, athleticism, and skill that, that could possibly pop into the uh, uh, Division I uh, recruiting radar and, 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 and maybe get something you know at a mid or high major level. Um, kind of an intriguing player, too, that has been uh, super, super productive at the high school level is Luke Hurdle at Lake Country Lutheran. You know, is he, is he going to be a guy that will pursue football as a quarterback um, or will he, um, you know, get some, get some offers uh, uh, to play college basketball at the division one level. Um, those are all things that will, will be interesting to monitor and find out as, as these, the AU season continues to churn along 
Um, and then, you know, as uh, as coaches get that opportunity in the summer to go out and see these kids live, I know they're chomping at the bit to do that. Um, and of course, the kids are very excited about that opportunity to show what they can do in person uh, in front of coaches. So uh, thank goodness that that uh, appears to be happening. And, um, you know, it's been a long haul, <laughs> you know, as you mentioned earlier with the fall alternate sports season. And, you know, hopefully this, this COVID stuff um, while very, still very, very serious and uh, will at least uh, be behind us to some degree as more people get vaccinated and, uh, you know, as, as uh, more information comes out to try to uh, mitigate the, the effects of COVID at the, you know, at the extracurricular level and certainly at the academic level for high school age students in, in our state. Well, good stuff, Mark. A lot going on in, in basketball recruiting. Uh, continuing on, will continue on this spring. It will continue into the, the summer. It's, it's as you said, going to be very interesting to watch how this all shapes out with so many different variables in place and the transfers and the extra years of eligibility and kids improving and blowing up and getting offers. Never a downtime for you, and uh, that's that's not a bad thing, though, either. We'll, we'll keep you busy, and, and that will keep you busy uh, and on your toes, of course. Mark, thanks for taking some time, and, and always good to catch up. Okay, thanks, Travis. Appreciate you having me on. All right, that'll do it, folks, for this edition of the WSN Podcast. Next week, we'll uh, likely be back to more regularly scheduled programming, talking about the alternate fall season and maybe taking a peek ahead at the spring sports that are starting very soon. But make sure you check us out uh, on your podcast uh, platform of choice, uh, Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, iHeart, uh, whatever else we're on. Uh, make sure it's your uh, your destination every week for all your high school sports fix. And, of course, check us out on our website, withsports.net. Social media is a must as well. You can follow me at TravisWSN. You can follow Mark at WissBBYearbook and, uh, and the rest of our staff as well, Norbert Durst and Colton Wilson. Make sure you follow them so you can get all the information right onto, uh, onto your, your timeline every morning, every afternoon, every night, as there's a lot going on in high school sports throughout the day. But that will do it for this edition of the WISports.net podcast. I am Travis Wilson. He is Mark Miller. We'll see you at a game. <laughs>